You guys, welcome to episode 94 of The Smush Room, the podcast that deep dives on the well-known and more importantly not so well-known hookups of your favorite reality TV stars. It's me, Troy Mahihu. How's it going? I'm in a very chipper mood. It is approaching one in the morning, so this is my witching hour. I'm going to start getting hyper. I get happier around this time. I get more creative. It's easier for me to think. Uh, the only problem is that it's harder for me to sleep. But who gives a damn about that? Because I've got something very important to tell you before we even get started. You guys, we're approaching episode 100 of this podcast, which is a really big deal. 100 episodes. I remember saying during episode 50 that I've never done anything consecutively 50 times um, that wasn't harmful to my body. (laughs) I've never done anything uh, um, this productive and this uh, emotionally fulfilling that many times consecutively ever. I'm a self-sabotager. I love to tear myself down and I love to set up obstacles for myself to not be able to uh, get around. So this is, I mean, this has just been a really positive, amazing, creative outlet for me to vent and rant and cry and, uh, and laugh. And I've just enjoyed doing this podcast so much. And, The fact that you guys are still engaged is, like, incredible to me. I mean, it it means the world to me, and it's the most mind-blowing, mind-boggling thing uh, ever. I I can't explain it. It doesn't make any sense to me, but I'm beyond grateful for it. All that being said, I wanted to do something special for this 100th episode that is slowly but surely approaching. And who better to dedicate the episode to than you guys? I want to hear from you, the people who listen to this podcast. You guys are always messaging me and leaving comments about, you know, like little things that I've missed when it comes to certain couples or um, couples that you want to hear more about, you know, celebrities that I haven't covered yet that you hope to hear about in the future, people that, you know, whose perspectives, you know, you've completely changed on after hearing the episode and maybe knowing a little bit more about their past or terrible things they've done or great things they've done. Um, case in point, Flavor Flav is a child prodigy and can play like 35 instruments. I mean, who knew? So, yeah, I I, I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear, you know, the things that you want to see from me in the future, the people that you're maybe tired of hearing about. I want to engage. <laughs> I want to engage. I want to connect. I want to hear your thoughts. Um, so yeah, what I did was I went ahead and created a Gmail account for this podcast for you guys to send things to. So if you have um, emails that you want me to read, if you have uh, voice notes, that would be amazing. Voice notes are beautiful and they sound very crisp and clear. So if you can record voice notes and send them to me, that would be incredible. And I just want to hear from you. I want to hear, you know, um, I don't know, important updates from couples that we've talked about. Like just whatever you feel like saying. I just want I want to hear it. Um, so the email that I set up is smushroompod at gmail.com. Send away. Like truly send away. Like I'm so excited for this. I can't wait to see like to see and hear the things that you guys have to say. Um, there's so many fun things that are coming up uh, for this podcast. Uh, the things that I, I I can't talk about just yet, but this specific thing I can definitely tell you about. Like you guys have stuck with me through so many 
so many ups and downs and trials and, and tribulations on this podcast of like sick family members and me constantly fucking my white blood cells just trying to kill me um just so many things and like i'm just so grateful and i'm gonna stop being weird and gross but yes email me whatever you want like i said emails voice notes whatever you want to send me send them it's smushroompod at gmail.com spelled just like uh just like the title that you're looking at right now that's coming up on the uh, little dashboard of your in your car um now that being said i have for we're talking about a couple today that um i have wanted to talk about for so long but this was one of those couples that I didn't know if you guys would care about. Like, sometimes I, like, don't know with certain people if we're on the same page. Like, sometimes I'll be like, this is the one. Everybody's going to freak out. Nobody's going to believe that I talked about this couple. And then you, like, barely care. And then there are ones that I'm like, ah, I care about this, but I don't think people will. So let's see what happens. And you go fucking berserk. So we're going to be talking about Diddy and Cassie today. Um, And I realized when I was... uh <laughs> taking my notes for this episode that Diddy is kind of my smushroom prince. Like he, I think I've done more, ep- more episodes about him than any other guy on this podcast. I mean, aside from Charlie Sheen, I've talked about Diddy a, a pretty good number of times. And I, I don't believe that this is going to be the last because I haven't even done an episode about him and Kim Porter, which I get, I probably should have done first, but I really wanted to talk about him and Cassie. I'm so fascinated by Cassie and her career and this crazy cult following that she has of people who just adore her. And Diddy forever fascinates me. I think that he's one of the most fascinating, flamboyant, ridiculous, talented, um, aspiring, but also gross douchebags that I've ever wanted to to meet and also am repulsed by at the same time. Like he's, it's such a complex thing that him and I have, (laughs) um, where I love him and I hate him. Like I love him for his accomplishments. I really do think that he's a genius. Uh, I mean, he's, I think last year he was voted the second wealthiest, um, like hip hop musician in the world. Um, he made like $62 million last year or something, last year alone so i mean diddy is insane and i love his tomfoolery i love his shenanigans i love that he isn't afraid to um to to stunt and gig and gag and do all the things you know what i mean like diddy is as a queen like he's a drag queen he loves a spectacle he loves a stunt diddy loves to fall from the ceiling into a split like he's like that kind of guy and um yeah, Cassie, like I said, I'm just forever fascinated by. She is this crazy cult following that has never really made a ton of sense to me. But after doing research, like I kind of get it now. And I feel like you'll get it as well. She reminds me, it's actually really strange that I don't feel more of a connection to her because she reminds me so much of so many people that I talk about on this podcast that I adore Um, where I feel this very intense personal connection that I feel like other people should have, but they don't. She's one of those people. But the thing is for Cassie, like they do. I don't have to cry home for her because she's like doing great. Um, so yeah, let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Cassie and Diddy are, they're a classic case. They've broken up and gotten back together a total of, I think five times, which 
I want to say is a record for this podcast, but I could be wrong. Um, they started dating in May of 2006, and their relationship officially ended um, as of right now in September of 2018. But who knows? The night is still young. Um, it's been confirmed via Cassie herself that the demise of their relationship was Diddy cheating. Uh, they were together for like 11 years. They have a super crazy history together. Um, and like I said, we've talked about Titty. <laughs> I did not expect that I would accidentally ever say Titty instead of Diddy. How could I not? How could I not have seen that for myself? Uh, we've talked about Titty on several occasions on this podcast. As I said, uh, we really in-depthly talked about his relationship with Jennifer Lopez. I did an entire profile on his life and his past and his upbringing, um, including him, you know, starting off as a music producer and creating his own record label and essentially reinventing himself into this like nineties black Donald Trump archetype, like a New York pillar a man who wears a long trench with a fur collar in New York City and is just fucking wealthy and opulent and tacky. Um, Liz Bentley and I also briefly discussed uh, his, I don't even know what you would call it. I mean, I guess you would say it was a relationship. You know, he had sex with Corinne Steffens, a.k.a. Superhead. We discussed everything from, you know, her basically being rented out to him by another guy for a night to this very strange encounter that she had with him at a gay club in Miami uh, with the rapper Exhibit. So if you haven't, as always, I would suggest going back and listening to those previous episodes about Diddy um, in those much earlier stages of his career. Uh, I also... I mean, I have a feeling this, like I said, this won't be the last time that I revisit him. Uh, He's just such an interesting person to me because... You know, so much of what he's done in his in his life and in his, his career is, you know, it's admirable. Um, he's undeniably talented and he's clearly got an eye for talent when it comes to producing other people. Um, he's built this giant fashion empire and he's all these really successful kind of subcategories of his career. Um, you know, all of his pursuits are like kind of, they hit it out of the park. I mean, they either don't do well and he's like pretty open and honest about the things that don't do well like he embraces his failures too which i think is a big deal um but like i said at the same time he's endlessly ridiculous and he has made all of us i think at some point in our lives just you know cover our faces with our hands and shake our head and just not know how to interpret him i mean he's a he's a ridiculous person but for me and as far as this episode it felt appropriate to pick up on Diddy's life around 2001, 2002. Uh, this is a hugely transitional year for him as an artist, but even more so as a producer and a reality television star. I think, you know, people forget, and many young people who don't know Diddy in that way, uh, they forget that he was this massively successful reality television star who really knew how to produce iconic reality TV moments. Because like I said, the man loves a stunt and he loves a gag. He knows how to kiss it smoochie for the camera. He really does. Um, And he's not like one of those reality stars who, you know, has done like one show and it's like a part of their career and it's something that they remember for for the rest of their life. 
he's in that subcategory of reality television star where, and actually I discussed this um, last week with Riley when we talked about Mama June. And yes, I just made a connection from Mama June to Diddy that is very on brand for this podcast. But he's one of those reality stars that, you know, he's had several successful shows that snowball into other shows and then domino into a different show and then spin off into this show and this person gets their own spin off and then this person gets an album come out and these two people dated so now they have a show like he's like one of those kinds of reality stars um in early 2001 he changed his name from puff, ba- puff daddy to p diddy which we spoke about in the jennifer lopez episode uh he was also in the process of recording a gospel album uh named thank you that has now become from what i've read like one of the most prominent what if albums of the decade uh the album was completed actually during the start of his weapons trial, and many people believe that it was the reason that the album was derailed. I read a bunch of articles where music critics com- uh, they compare this album to Dr. Dre's Detox um, as a record that could have, you know, potentially made this really major impact on not only the music industry but like the black community. A you know, this is a full blown gospel album. He told Ebony Magazine at the time. First of all, God is my best friend. The reason I wanted to do a gospel album was to give thanks. Over the years, Bad Boy has made a lot of things cool, from the way we dress, the way we dance, the sunglasses we wear, um, and the designers we endorse. Well, now God is something that we're going to endorse. A lot of kids think that it's cool to spark a blunt in front of people, but they won't... But they won't not... It's been a while since I was a stuttering Stanley on this podcast. It really actually has been a while. Um, I've gotten really good at reading size 32 font um, bold uh, lettering. (laughs) A lot of of kids think it's cool to spark a blunt in front of people, but they won't bow their heads and pray in front of those same people. And now we want to make God cool. Diddy also made his acting debut as a drug dealer in the 2001 film Made, which was directed by John Favreau and uh, produced by Vince Vaughn. Um, he starred in Monsters Ball as well, starring Halle Berry and Billy Bob Thornton. And I have to be honest with you, whenever I even hear the, the words Monsters Ball together, my immediate thought is... <laughs> The scene that, you know, at the time was so controversial of Halle Berry and Billy Bob Thornton having sex, like, on the floor, on their couch. You know, because it was allegedly so realistic, which, like, are you, like, fuck off. Um, And I just, like, in my mind, I hear Halle Berry, like, rubbing her body for Billy Bob Thornton and being like, I want you to make me feel good. (laughs) Make me feel good. And she's, like, ripping at her bra. (laughs) Um, And this, if I'm being honest with you, I was so excited to talk about this because this is one of my favorite periods of Diddy's career. And I know most people would say, like, the early, you know, mid to late 90s, that would be considered, I guess, like his peak. Um, but I like Pop 2K Diddy, personally. That's my personal favorite. I like Totally Hits Diddy. I like Now That's What I Call Music Diddy. This is my this is my Diddy. You know what I mean? 
He started working with all these artists that made absolutely no sense for him to be tied to, but then he really embraced it and it became cool that he was like managing Khalees for a little while and then he discovered Dream um, by the way an absurdly underrated girl group like we need to start including Dream in countdown lists and things like that um, and this was also around the same time that he had parted ways with um, Arista Records which meant he now fully owned Bad Boy all of its artists its entire music catalog. I mean, this is like the moment where he went from like a successful rapper who was like kind of transitioning into all these different things to like an actual full-blown, like respected mogul. Like this is when he became the P. Diddy that makes people run down the street to get him cheesecake or whatever. You remember I wanna work for Diddy? We'll get there. Um I just want to say before I get into this that I've been looking for an excuse and a reason to really, really dive. And I mean dive. I'm talking like fingertips touch the bottom of the ocean dive deeply into making the band to the point that I actually wouldn't even mind doing an entire bonus episode based on like O-Town and Danity Kane and the band. Um So I think I'm just going to do a quick little refresher because it's a really big part of this time period. But I kind of want to save the really big, super hardcore details for a bonus app because we need to talk about Danity Kane, y'all. We need to talk about DK. Or maybe we'll do an Aubrey Day episode soon. I don't know. We'll see. Um, So Making the Band was a show that originally aired on ABC in the year 2000. And in its original form, um, the show was produced by the late and horrifying Lou Perlman. And uh, it focused on his search for a group of young guys that were going to make up this boy band um, that he would later title O-Town. The show ran for one season on ABC, and then it was renamed Making the Band 2 to kind of like separate it from O-Town, and it was uh, relocated to MTV in 2002, which resulted in Diddy becoming the executive producer for the remainder of the show, which lasted until 2009. And, you know, so many people forget that Making the Band was actually a a show that featured, like, nine different musical acts. Like, uh, Danity Kane, I don't even think many people remember that O-Town was from Making the Band. I think people just think O-Town, like, existed the way 98 Degrees did. Like, they were... They were a uh, a result of the Idols era of the early 2000s of these, like, let's make stars, this rags-to-riches television shows. First, there was O-Town. Then there was The Band, which I'm, I'm, I'm 99% sure you guys forgot about or don't know who they are. Please Google The Band. Um, there was Danity Kane. And there was Day 26. And then there was that guy whose name I don't remember who came from Day 26 that Diddy tried to make a star. And I'm pretty sure Aubrey O'Day fucked him on the show. Um, and the, the final season of the show, he changed the title to Making His Band, where Diddy was on the search for a group of musicians to record an album with him and go out on tour with him. Uh, the show actually was later nominated for a GLAAD Award in 2009 for Outstanding Reality Television Program. And... I have to be honest with you, one of the things that I love about him is that any reality show that he's produced or been a part of, he also has to appear on. 
because he's such a narcissist and he's so self-absorbed that he like has to find a way to appear on camera and he never appears on camera in a subdued way or in a way that's like in the background like diddy is not a wallflower he's walking in dramatically and slowly with a toothpick in his mouth and he's not speaking for seven minutes so that he can you know control the temperature in the room and then he'll just randomly whisper like an outrageous insult to somebody and like walk out like he just loves a stunt um and by the way this is trl era diddy where he was smart to start sort of rebranding himself for this, you know, younger tween demographic that was very clearly taking over. Um, and it's so funny because I, you know, I was old enough to have lived through 90s puffy coat Diddy, of course, but I was also a full blown child. 2000s Diddy was around the same time that I really started making my own music decisions and just, you know, decisions that weren't based on like what my mom liked, you know? So for me, and for, I think a lot of people my age, this version of him is the one that resonates with us the most. You know, we all remember like the voter die era and, you know, his iconic TRL appearances. Um, Do you remember when he ran on the treadmill and behind the hosts uh, to practice for the marathon, and he would run on the on the mar- or on the uh, the treadmill for the entire hour of the show. Like this is the Diddy that I feel like I grew up with. Nineties Diddy, of course, was a massive part of my life as a kid, of course. But I was a child; I wasn't choosing my own music. Um. Now I'm really excited to talk about Cassie. You guys, you may think you know what's about to take place, but you don't. You may think that you have an idea of who Cassie is. You don't. This is the diary of Cassie Ventura. Uh, She grew up in Connecticut. Her dad is Filipino and her mother is black, Mexican, and West Indian. And I only mention that because her race is such a big part of her image and her exotic look is such a huge part of, I guess, her legacy, if you want to call it that. Um, After graduating from a prep school called Williams, uh, she started pursuing a career. So at 14, she started modeling for a local department store in catalogs. Uh, she did some commercial work and appeared in a appeared in a few music videos um, as like, you know, pretty girl at the club, pretty girl at the bar, pretty girl walking in the mall, pretty girl putting hair behind her ear in a school hallway, like you know, pretty girl and all that. Uh, she was also very prominently featured in the Delia's catalogs. And uh, she had several appearances in Seventeen Magazine. And right before graduating high school, she was encouraged by a music producer named Rock- Rockweiler to take vocal and dance lessons. Um, she graduated high school in 2004 and moved to New York to pursue a full-time career in entertainment. And from what I'm gathering, or what I have gathered, Cassie, you know, she really had no problems. This wasn't the Mariah Carey story, where she was, like, living in a roach-infested shoebox and poor and working at a diner and, like, spending all her free time recording tracks and, like, learning how to read music. 
Cassie was a pretty soft-spoken girl who kind of had no issues when she got here. Um, and that really shouldn't come as a surprise to anyone listening. Uh, she is one of the most beautiful women I feel like I've ever laid eyes on. Uh, so, yeah, she was almost immediately signed to Wilhelmina. And she started booking commercial and print work as soon as she got here. Um, now, here's where things get really fucking interesting. If you're a non-Patreon member, you've got about five minutes left praying for you. Um, so, Cassie was actually discovered by an R&B singer named... Who's an R&B singer slash rapper? His name is uh, Ryan Leslie. He's pretty famous. Um, he apparently had seen her in a nightclub in New York, and then he started seeing her around nightclubs a lot, and they were actually introduced by Diddy's makeup artist who worked with her at a photo shoot. Now, if you don't know anything about Ryan Leslie, I would suggest you go on YouTube and watch some of his interviews. He's a very, very interesting person. Uh, he's got a, he's had a very, um, a very fascinating career, and he did an interview with Ebro, uh, where he, I mean, it was just really insightful. Like, he's a really smart guy. He's really interesting. He is an independent artist, and he doesn't place his music on any mainstream platforms. Um, you know, he isn't on iTunes or Spotify or anything like that. But he's, like, figured out this code that he basically used with Cassie. Uh, he discovered how to manipulate the music industry. Like, he is a completely solo dolo artist who is not, you know under the control of anyone he owns his own record label and he's really really good and he's really really involved in tech and social media um like sort of behind the scenes stuff uh i mean he's basically known at this point for making millions of dollars off of cassie which we'll get into i mean like this is it's mind-blowing what this guy was able to accomplish so he essentially took cassie under his wing and basically helped you know, mold her into an artist, a, a tale as old as time. And even though, you know, she hasn't really been able to maintain any real level of fame since her debut, what Ryan was able to do with her as an artist was actually one of the most revolutionary things to ever happen in the music industry. And especially during that specific time, this was like, the turn of the internet where MySpace was a thing and the way people were marketing themselves was changing. And Cassie was one of the very first people to really make a name for herself and create like a long, you know, I mean, really prominent career because of MySpace. Uh, the first song she ever recorded was called Kiss Me and uh, it actually came about because her mom wanted her to record a song for her for her birthday. And Ryan loved the song so much that he actually sent the track to Tommy Matola. Tommy Matola loved the track so much that he offered Cassie a management deal. And Ryan had so much faith in Cassie that he signed her to his independent label. Um, he wrote and produced Cassie's debut single, Me and You. And used MySpace as their launching pad. Now, this is, like, beyond fascinating. So, like, really, really dig your earbuds into your ears. Because things are about to get interesting. So, they set up a MySpace account. And they uploaded the song. Several weeks later, the song is viral. It's all over the world. People are losing their shit. And this is a girl... You've probably listened to this song 
and I know, I mean, I'm not expecting you to remember the first time you heard me and you like it was some transcendent experience, but the first time that you heard this song, it probably was during a time when she was not signed. And you just sort of assume when you think of this song, like she, that she was like this big budget, you know, um, polished pop star, which she did become. But at the beginning, Cassie was like a rough and tumble bitch on MySpace releasing music on her own. Like not that much, not that different than like a Sky Ferreira or a Kesha. She was doing everything on her own. And the song was so good. And this guy's production was so incredible that simply based on word of mouth and talent, well, we'll get there, talent from Ryan, um, this song became like a massive dance single in Europe. You guys, I hate to cut you off, but at this point, I think you know the drill. You've got to be a Patreon member to hear the remainder of this episode. So go to patreon.com slash ebpsychos. At that point, you will uh, be asked to donate. And then when you donate at this level, you'll get this podcast you'll get the remainder of all the episodes every single week you'll get liz bentley's feathers in my hair which is the teen mom podcast um you'll get me and molly's uh britney and kevin chaotic special you'll get all the stuff that molly does exclusively through patreon it's well worth it and also if you're not a member of our facebook group go to molly and the it'll take you straight to it and uh all we do all day and all night is talk about reality tv it's super fun so, like I said, patreon.com slash ebpsychos and mollyandthepsychos.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.